Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long I am talking to some leadership powerhouses that are helping us to navigate towards this next level of leadership, which none of us really know what that's going to come to look like, but we all know that we have to be a little bit more flexible in order to get there and uh, navigate this changing world that we are a part of. And my guest today has not only a really interesting background uh, and currently her business, which I can't wait to talk about, but she also is going to help us to, you know, have some tips on how Maybe a little bit from her perspective, we can use this to uh, help the publication of our own leadership journey. I'm just going to throw that out there. Megan Hearn is the founder and CEO of Hearn Publications, which is an independent publishing house that's both collaborative with its authors and innovative on how it approaches the process of bringing books to life. And you guys know how important this is to me, not only for my two books, but what we do with our virtual bookstore and how we connect with authors all around the world. And she's big on giving back to the writing community outside of those who publish with her own company, Hearn Publications as well. And you'll find that on their website, they host indie self-published authors to help get the word out about their books. So they're as committed to really reaching new audiences for people as we are. She also supports the pro-literacy campaign to help adults learn to read and work their way out of poverty, which sadly enough, you'd think that we wouldn't be uh, experiencing that today, but we still do. And it's important that we shine a light on it. And proceeds from uh, her publication, Online Sales, are donated to the program. And she also supports soldierangels.org and has sent over 50,000, let's just say that again, over 50,000 packages to deployed military members during 2020 alone and continues to do so. During 2019 and into 2020, Hearn Publications developed the Princess Like Me and Prince Like Me campaigns, which is a new approach to printing children's books that allows children from every ethnic background, I love this so much, to find themselves as the hero of their own story. And she believes that authors should be able to make a living at writing, uh, which is important, and selling books, and has a hands-on approach in both pre- and post-publication process with her authors. And she's really trying to make sure that she changes the way the industry operates. Now, also, she has published works for HBO and has received awards and nominations from Writer's Digest, Cohen, New York Times, and Publishers Weekly, just to name a few. So joining me today is again, Megan Hearn. Thank you for being a guest on my show today. Thank you very much, Michael. Um, I'm very excited. This is my first podcast. Like yes. I told you, yes. Yes. So slightly nervous, but uh, you calmed me down. So I'm very excited. Um, oh, I'm not really sure how to follow up this amazing <laughs> intro you just gave me. <laughs> I don't know don't how worry. to follow that one up. That's don't impressive. Worry. We'll get We'll get through it. And I love right? the fact that I'm your first podcast. That makes me so happy. <sighs> I know, I'm I think, so excited. I'm thinking of all of our, I think we've published over, I've taped at least 300 or so episodes. And I think you may be only the 
fourth person that has been first time podcaster. So that's pretty big. I'm very excited to have you. Don't worry. We'll take it easy on you. Well, you've got some amazing guests. So I feel like I'm in some really good company (laughs) kind of joining just awesome people. I do have amazing guests. I feel so lucky that I have just been able to cultivate all these people. And especially, I can't wait to talk to you more about what you're doing, as well as talk a little bit about some of your side projects, because mm-hmm. it's very it's very telling in terms of who you are and what you're committed to. But, you know, let's just start with that. I mean, I hit the highlights of your, of your bio, but tell us a little bit more about you and Hearn um, Publishing and how you help your clients and authors to shock their potential. So... We just, we work hard and we work hard for our authors. We take a traditional approach as an indie publisher and we make it as collaborative as possible. So in a traditional sense, we take care of them, marketing, book covers, everything. And the indie part is just because we're small. We're not part Mm -hmm. of the big five. So, and Mm -hmm. the collaborative part is I know every single one of my authors and they know me, they have my cell phone number and we talk about everything. They are part of this journey. At no point do we, we don't ever take it from them. We do it with them. So they're part of the book cover. They work Mm -hmm. with their editor and they help mature whatever the manuscript is until it's, it comes to fruition and it's this beautiful mature piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're, they're in there with us in the marketing meetings. I mean, they're on zoom, of course, Uh, (laughs) but if they have this idea We bring it in because there's just, we're humans. We're not robots. There's no way for Mm -hmm. us to know every single answer. And our authors come up with some really cool things because who better knows their book than the person who wrote it. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's created such a fun atmosphere for us because we have authors that know they can talk to us. They're not intimidated because we're a publisher. They're not intimidated Mm -hmm. by the CEO behind my name try to keep that out of our business. It's, I don't like that. The the ego portion of that, I want that out of the company. And Mm -hmm. I just want us to work together to really create some beautiful books. Mm, I love it. And you know, um, I'm a big fan of everything you do because that's the kind of publisher that I chose for my two books. And I had, I had an off, um, an offer from a, you know, more traditional publishing house. I use the little quotes. And the reason I use the quotes is that, you know, before I got ready to publish my first book, I really didn't know how much the publishing world had changed. And I didn't realize how many more options authors have now to maintain control and maintain better royalties and, you know, feel like you're a part of the process and not just handing it over as a commodity to a bigger company to then sell that you are now basically employed by. And it's, you know, I think it it allows for people to have access to sharing their knowledge, their vision, their dreams in ways that they never had before, but it still can be a little daunting along the way, especially if you're trying to choose which kind of organ, what, what kind of company or publishing house you do want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we always work really hard to make sure our contracts are author friendly Um, but I still will tell every author to go find a book lawyer to help Mm -hmm. work with them because it is a 22 page contract. Yeah. It's intimidating for anybody, especially if it's a debut novel. So, and one of the things that I have on my tips for leaders, I have my notes over here, um, was to take up space for yourself. Mm. Authors should do that too. Take that space for yourself pause, think of whatever you need to do 
and ask those questions. You have that power with the publisher. It's not a make or break situation. So if you want something to change in the contract, ask. It doesn't mean we're going to, you know, reject you. If you need to have a question, ask. It doesn't mean you're going to lose the book contract. And I find a lot of authors are still very intimidated by that. So I'm hoping more publishers like us and like the one that you have come about and they really kind of lift that veil between the Mm -hmm. author and publisher and make it more collaborative because authors do have more choices, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they know it still. And I would Mm -hmm. like them to know that, you know, take up that space for yourself, stand up for yourself and, and just talk to us. There's a lot more that you can do that you don't have to just kind of take for granted Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know, take, you know, take for granted is probably not the right way, but you don't or just have to follow. take the contract you're given. Right, right, right. That's well, I, I actually tell people very similar things when negotiating for a new job or, you know, a, a raise or a promotion yeah. is, mm-hmm. you know, the offer that you're given, unless they say, here's your offer. There's, I've given you everything here that I can possibly give you. There's no other way about it, or this yeah. is standard. It's the same for every position. Then there's areas to negotiate. And, you know, as long as you don't operate like a jerk, you're not going to lose the job and the opportunity from it. If you yeah. act like a jerk, yeah, probably will. But yeah. <laughs> if you don't, then you're actually showing that you, um, you're showing more respect for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Which in turn will make us respect you more because yes. it shows you understand your own value mm-hmm. and you're willing to make sure you receive that. Yeah. It's, so, it's, inter- and that's- it, it's interesting you say that too, because when, um, cause I picked a different publishing company for the first edition of my first book. And then when I chose my, um, publisher to do the second edition, as well as for my second book, before I had signed all the final contracts for my second book, um, or maybe it was for the, oh no, I'd already, I was already doing the second book and we were going to re-release the the first edition or second edition of my first book. And we were going to, you know, kind of uh, juggle the timing. And then I got this offer from a more traditional public publishing house. And I was so pleased because I went back to my, my publisher and I said, would you read this contract for me? And would you read what they offered me? And I trusted her that much, like mm-hmm. I would trust you. And she said, Absolutely. So she sat down with me and she said, here's what is great for you in this. And here's what isn't. And here's what you could negotiate. And here's what you wouldn't. Here's the things to watch out for. And, you know, in some sense, you know, especially with some authors, if they get that traditional um, offer and it comes with an advance, sometimes people are, are lured by that because it seems great. You know, you're not spending money on the editing or spending money on some of those other parts. And for some people, that's really important for me when I got down to it, you know, the advance is just an advance and, you know, the advance is expecting that that book is going to sell that or more in a certain Mm -hmm. period of time. And so that makes you in essence, the employee of that company. And, uh, and your book is definitely, you know, an employee of that company. And when it was all said and done, it felt almost weird to me to say no to a traditional um, publishing offer and say, no, I, I decide that I want to control more of what my future is. And it felt really powerful, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, but most offers, authors would love to get this kind of offer. But when you really sit down and look at it and you take a look at what you can do today that is vastly different than 10 years ago, or definitely 20 years ago, you know, you may make a different decision. Yeah. And I've come across a lot of authors that do that because when you actually do get that traditional contract, that advance is more like a loan. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. You don't, it's not just the free money. You actually, your book has to pay that money back. Exactly. So, and, and most people don't know that. And then it's till they actually get those contracts and look at them, then they, then you have to start thinking, okay, this isn't what I thought it was, or this isn't right. like you said, 20 years ago, it's right. changed drastically and it's constantly changing. So, and I'm hoping that more publishers um, will do what we're doing and mm-hmm. try to make it a little bit more fair. Of course, we're all, a, we're, it is a business. We're in business yeah. to make money, but it should be a little bit more fair naturally for me in my mind. Um, and that's why like our royalty rates are higher and they start out almost at their max mm-hmm. because one, most, excuse me, most authors don't know that they can negotiate yes. or don't have the confidence to take up that space for themselves and ask for more. So uh, we go ahead and do that for them. Mm-hmm. So they go ahead and they start at 30%. Mm-hmm. So we we're trying to make that difference. We're trying to make it better for authors. And, and that's why we don't publish 200 books a year on market two. We'll publish 15 a year, but we're going to market every single one of those. And right. we're going to work really hard. <laughs> we're going to have really long days and we're going to have to market each one differently. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be crazy, but it's going to be worth it for every single book. And yeah. at the end of the day, when I close my computer, I know I've done a good job. And that's what makes me happy because we can't change the entire world, but we can make our little corner slightly better. And that's what we're going for. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, still want to write a book or thought, have thought about it. And I also know people are saying, gosh, but there's just so many books out there now. People are, you know, anybody who wants to write a book can write a book. And that's true. But, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not you're successful depends on how you market it, whether it's actually a good book, you know, how much effort you put into it. So it's not just like write the book and now you're a, a millionaire. Um, you have to, it, there's a lot of work involved to make it successful, just like with yes. any business. And the more you have a team behind you, the better chances you are, you have. Yeah. It always comes down to your team. Um, you, there's no, I've never met a business that can do it with just one person. <laughs> I, I haven't met that person yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will be impressed when I do meet them. Um, <laughs> probably be a woman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and it's funny, I, I remember I interviewed somebody several years ago for the podcast and he said, and it was the first time I ever really thought about it. He goes, you know, for anybody out there who's ever heard the term self-made millionaire, they didn't do it on their own. Self-made didn't mean, so doesn't right. mean they, yes. yeah, they didn't do that all on their own effort. They had people, but self-made millionaire means that you were working that much harder and building a team and mm-hmm. all those elements. And, and uh, so there's, it's good to, to break down that misnomer that you could do it all by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's always, it always seems like this overnight success, but it is never overnight. No, it is years of work. And it's every single book that we have, these, these authors have written it for years Mm -hmm. and then they've edited it and then they've submitted it to us. And then guess what? They get to edit it again. Mm. (laughs) It never ends. Oh, my last couple submissions on both my books. I'm like, please just no more. I don't want to read my own book again. (laughs) That's before it ever releases. And then you switch to marketing and guess what? That doesn't end. And then you still find typos after they've been in production mm-hmm. of things that were fixed that you know got fixed, but somehow in the translation getting uploaded somewhere, they got fixed. And then you're just like, who cares? <laughs> oh yeah, we've done that. So we have me, our editor, the author, 
even the formatter, all before pre-publication will look at it, will have at least 100 ARC reviewers. Mm -hmm. There will still be something that gets through. And I'm like, yeah, ah, well, yeah. <laughs> what do you exactly. want to do? There's 104 eyes that looked at it, or 208 <laughs> if you want to count all of them. Like, <laughs> we're humans. We're not robots. I can't help you. Like, we'll, we'll get it later. <laughs> exactly. There's always another opportunity. I love it. Megan, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get the Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Megan Hearn and we are talking about all things publishing and the great opportunities that people have today to, um, to publish in a unique way, maintain a little bit more control. Um, but also, I know there's a lot of people listening that, you know, maybe whether they're thinking about publishing or not, I think that there's a lot of rules that you already, you know, started to allude to at least one, you know, as I'm talking this whole month about leadership and how we as leaders can be better leaders. And I love your first, um, your first point that you started to dive into, which is take up space for yourself mm -hmm. and, and make sure you have that time, but ask questions, give yourself the permission to ask questions as well as of your team, of yourself, of your company. Um, so I think those are great to head off. What do you, do you have some other tips to share with us on how to make sure that we are strong leaders that are adaptable, especially in times of turbulent change? Absolutely. Well, and there are a lot of, most of them are really centered around mental health and mm. your ability to kind of have that strength um, and, and recognize that you do not have to be perfect. So my next one, my first one I always tell them is take up space for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I had to learn that while I don't think I'm intimidating, other people can. So I have to give them the power to take up space for themselves. But I also uh -huh. have to let them know that they're not required to be right all the time. Right. If I ask them a question and, you know, if they get it wrong or, and the next one, it, you know, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to be right all the time. You can mm -hmm. go, I don't know. And I'll, I'll take that answer. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if we can figure it out. Let's see if we can learn that together. Yes. Um, because I've run across that a lot with some of my teammates, but even myself, when I was first learning, I assumed I had to be right all the time and that I had to always have the answers. And mm -hmm. I just kind of like freeze up inside or have this internal turmoil going on. Like, I don't know if I'm right. What if I get this wrong? Are they going to think I'm ridiculous and they don't know what I'm talking about and I don't deserve to be here? And you end up having that whole thing inside yeah. um, when really, the person on the other side of the table is just like, okay, well, if you don't know, let's look it up. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that really is mental health. If you just go calm down, yeah. let me go. Okay. It's okay. If I don't have these answers, you can skip that whole anxiety driven roller coaster portion and go, I don't know this answer. Can we just look it up? And then the yeah. whole team gets to learn. Right. Absolutely. So, and when you do that and you take that breath, you're like, nah, I don't know. Then it makes yeah. Anyone else who had that same fearful thought going through their head go, 
oh, well, okay, I guess, yeah. I guess we didn't have to worry about that Everybody one. Everybody kind of right. sighs a little bit and we're like, okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's good yeah. for you and your mental health, but it definitely teaches a lesson by example. Yeah, well, and I'm trying to take the lessons I learned when I was younger, making all these mistakes, apply them to my team so they don't have to make the same mistakes. We can try yeah. some new ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, we can we can get further in our projects that way. So, um, so what was it? Uh, you asked for help. Yeah, that was the yeah. other one. And then, and especially what we had to deal with this last 2020 was constantly learn and be okay with change. Uh-huh. That one's hard for a lot of people. Um, sometimes more personally than it is uh, in in the business area. Yeah, but as an indie um, publisher change, being able to change and swiftly pivot is key to how we work. Um, Mm -hmm. And it saved us during 2020. We're already entirely online. Everybody is virtual. We just kind of, you know, we'll have our meetings online and stuff like that. Um, We were already doing that, Mm -hmm. but it was how we marketed had to change, how we Mm -hmm. released books had to change um, and how we, you know, we couldn't do in-person book events anymore for our authors. Okay. What did we have to do now? Switch to, you know, virtual book events and having to do that shift really quickly ended up being easy for us because we have the mindset of just keep changing, just keep evolving. So, Mm -hmm. and that's something that's super, super important, um, especially for entrepreneurs. If you can change and you can change faster than those bigger companies, you're already ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. And it takes the mindset of everybody, you know, in all levels, but especially the leaders, because if you're going to help your team to keep that changing and evolving mindset, you have to do it. You have to lead by that example of and say, okay, well, that sucked. We had, you know, prior to lockdown, we had 42 in-person book signings for our authors all over wherever. Mm -hmm. All right. Now that sucks. All right. We'll acknowledge that. Now, what can we do? How can we do this? And then when we don't respond with a panic, but instead, well, but you can still acknowledge like, well, that sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, now let's throw some ideas on the wall and see what sticks. Um, it, it encourages people to be more resilient to change by not being so upset by what loss means, you know, a loss of path or a loss of plan or a loss of, of yes. uh, you know, what you know um, that makes you a little bit more adjustable. Well, and I will give our authors so much credit. Not one of them got really upset. Um, they all kind of just went, yep, that sucks. What are we doing? (laughs) I was like, well, that's such an important first step to go to recognize. Yeah, this kind of sucks, but it's Mm -hmm. also outside of our control. Here's what we're going to do. And they had such positive reactions to it. And I really appreciated that, um, because they were, also just as ready to pivot and change and, and do what needed to be done. So yeah, I think we're doing a good job of finding authors that have similar mindset to the position we're taking in our own business. Yeah. And I think it's really important that when you look at clients um, that you are looking for people who have that same sort of mindset so that they're not going to freak out and they're not going to be the ones that panic all of a sudden, because that throws your team into panic and, you know, or, or reacting, you know, uh, like whiplash instead of saying, okay, well, 
you know, where do we go from here? And, and I think as we get smarter with business, at least when I get smarter with my business, I would rather have five clients that are, you know, adaptable, have that kind of mindset, completely flexible than a hundred clients that are high maintenance, always freaking out. You know, you might have way more money, but you're going to have a lot more headaches and you can't build something that's sustainable on the backs of, of, uh, of people who are emotionally charged all the time. Well, absolutely. And you're not going to enjoy it. And the whole part of doing this is you're supposed to enjoy some of this, right? Like sure. You can have a couple of bad days, one-offs here and there, but if it's every day, then you're doing something incorrect. So you really do have to find those, the right employees, the right staff, but also the right authors that all matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that teaches a lesson too, to your team of, you know, if this is how we're going to model as a team, we're going to find authors that are in line with this because then we all continue to work under the same environment. So I agree very much. Megan, I love it. I love what you're doing. Obviously I'm a big fan of everything that gives authors more control. And I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I think I might want to work with this woman for my next or my first book. What's the best way for them to find you? Uh, our website, hernpublications.com. It's H-U-R-N publications.com um, or Instagram. And that one's easy. It's at Hern Publications. Excellent. Well, before we go, what are your last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Uh, my very favorite one is schedule your day for when your brain is on fire. Ooh. So if you're firing the best between 8 and 11 a.m., put your most important tasks there. Save oh, the medial I'm- stuff for later. I love it. Yes. I had something very important I needed to do yesterday that I'm going to do today, like pretty much right after we're done. But I forgot until the end of the day when my brain was mush and I was like, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I'm going to wait till tomorrow and I'm going to get her done when I know that I'm still at least functioning on all cylinders. Yep. See, (laughs) you're already doing it. Awesome. Megan, thank you for letting us be your first podcast. It's been a very much pleasure having you as a guest today, and I am so glad we are connected. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.